Welcome to the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. Brain Fuel is a cerebral beverage that helps you find your flow state, enhance mental focus, and cognitive endurance. Elevate the brain and the body. To get yours, visit brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com, and enter the code LIFO15 at checkout for your 15% off discount, L-I-F-O-1-5, and enjoy today's episode. Welcome to today's episode on Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jake Hirschman, here with Sabrina Jenkins for our Next Up Partners partnership. Uh, We're going to talk a little bit about events, Uh, certainly something that hasn't been happening uh, as much (laughs) over the last uh, year or so. And Sabrina has spent a ton of time in the events part of the industry, uh, former VP of Special Events for the Atlanta Braves for uh, 27 years, I believe is the number. And Sabrina will get into... What did events look like then? What do events look like now? What are they going to look like? And I think the term hybrid event, we might as well just coin it on this podcast. That's what will be in the future. So uh, nonetheless, welcome. Thank you. Thanks so much, Jake. Uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. And as you think about events, right, you, you started in the industry, in the event space pre uh pre-internet really more or less or oh, pre, yeah. pre oh yeah I mean like so ha- just give us a quick snapshot of how events have evolved mm-hmm. uh, over time and kind of especially leading up to the last couple of years where a lot of teams and organizations have built kind of these districts around their stadiums and right. so on right well I started my career 27 for 27 years with the Braves but I started in ticket sales actually so kind of worked my way up to special events um, over those years, but I didn't realize I was doing hospitality with the Braves when I was doing hospitality with the Braves and we were doing events. I used to be over the uh, corporate partnerships uh, pregame parties at the old Atlanta Fulton County Stadium where we used to flip our own burgers to, to feed all of the sponsors. So that's taking it way back to what events looked like then. <laughs> and, and it just really evolved. I, I spent nine and a half years in that area, in the ticket sales area, doing a lot of different things and then moved over to the special events department um, 2001. But even before then, I was working in our hospitality with all of our postseason uh, parties for the World Series and National League Championship Series and all of that. And I think I got the special events bug then. What, what is a special event? Because that terminology or that title to, to when you had it, like that was kind of when it started to be coined, right? Because special events are now a natural part of the business where you're trying to do anything and everything outside of when a game day is. That's correct. And, and, and for us, um, you know, when I was with the Braves, it was, it was a special events department. I think the name has changed now, but um, it was a you know, non-game day special events. So it was everything outside of baseball, whether it was a conference, a meeting, uh, the, the things that I love are the, the concerts and festivals. That, that was really my wheelhouse. Those are the, the, the special events that I enjoyed doing. The concerts are always the best ones you're gonna enjoy. Maybe not no, maybe not much so the moneymaker though, right? 
No, really good. No concerts. Yeah. Uh, and these are big. These are the non-game day, thirty-five, forty thousand person yeah. concerts. So yeah. these are the the Billy Joel's and the the Metallicas. Um, I did Rolling Stones back in the early two thousand at at Turner Field, uh, and those are those are great non-game day revenue generators for 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 any club. For when you think about your your bang for your buck, right? Like the amount of resources you need to put towards an event, mm-hmm. a Billy Joel concert or something of that sort, that scale, there's a lot of resources that go towards it for X amount of profit, right? Versus mm-hmm. um, a meeting, versus a, a conference, versus yeah. whatever, right? And um, when you think about how you assemble your schedule throughout the year, how many events are we going to have here? How many concerts are we going to have there? How do you go about putting that all together? That's got to be a, a jigsaw puzzle in itself. It is because you have to one work around the baseball schedule. So <laughs> you've got you got over eighty games uh, on the schedule already. So you you know we used to work around the baseball schedule, and I'm sure they still do, obviously. Uh, but you know, it, it, for me, it was it was so easy to do because I got so used to it over all those years. So I knew how to plan all the, you know, how we could sell the ballpark and, um, you know, try to bring in the, the, the best events that we, we could and be very innovative and be very creative. Um, you know, late, later on in, in my career there, you know, we were able to do a lot of events on field. But now all ball clubs do events on field, or most of them do, I'm sure, uh, because it is, you know, it allows for, well, right now it allows for great social distancing, so. <laughs> most, most definitely, the, the on-field allows for more distancing than maybe a concourse might. Uh, That's correct. That's correct. But um, yeah, you know, it allows you to be very innovative. Um, you know, people think of stadiums and ballparks just for that particular sports, whether it's baseball or or football. But, you know, those stadiums, you have X amount of games each year. So what are you going to do with all those other dates? You want to keep the the stadiums active and you do that by doing all of the non-game day events. How much of the the non-game day events were also in in charge a little bit of attracting a new audience to your brand as well, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe the non-baseball audience in a sense, or maybe the hardcore fans that wanted to be a part of a different experience. Yeah, I think while I was there, the one thing that, you know, especially when I first started uh, in, the, in the department, it was my number one goal was to market the non-game day events department. So people could see it just as that and not just look at it as, you know, the home of the team, but look at it as a special events venue. And and so we worked really, really hard at at really um, distinguishing that and and getting a a new market to really understand it and getting the baseball market, the the fans, the people that, that pay to go to the game we want you to come back out when the team's not there and book the facility for, we, we used to do a lot of weddings um, where young girls 
dads brought them to Braves games. And so they wanted to have their wedding at the ballpark. So that was just a, that's just one example of, of really going after that, that baseball fan and getting them to come back on a non-game day. We'll get to the virtual component in a second, but when you're thinking about the events, right, if you're thinking about the baseball game, you're competing for the fan who's spending their money on that live entertainment where, as opposed to the Falcons or the Hawks or, you know, whomever else they're competing against in the market. But when you think about special events, who are your main competitors? It's still those venues. We're, we're still competing with all the great venues in the city. Um, but then you have to throw in all of the other, other venues. Um, you know, the Fox downtown or the Carter Center or the aquarium. So you're competing to get to, you know, you want people to come to your venue. So you're, you're competing against all those other venues that, that are unique in their own way. And that was the, the great thing about, um, I loved what I did with, with the organization and, and I love special events. Um, because every event is different and the uniqueness of each ballpark that I was able to work in. Um, it was just a lot of fun. You have all these different spaces within uh, a stadium or a ballpark that, that a person can choose to do an event in. And like I said, you can do a big concert or you can do a very intimate dinner. Uh, so it just has so many different variables and ranges of the different types of events that you can perform there. And I, and I love it because every event is different. What have you, what have you been able to take from all your experience in the event world to the virtual world now of virtual <laughs> events? And, and what's the last year been like? The, well, the last year has been quite interesting. I think for everyone, obviously, um, no one really predicted, predicted the, the pandemic and um, you had to make these quick pivots, uh, and, I, and I'm so overusing that word pivot, but uh, we all did, you know, we're all, we all started, you know, everyone started working from home. Um, Event-wise, everyone just kind of was learning on the fly, and is still learning on the fly because it's, it, the virtual events world is, is just evolving so quickly you know, started out, Zoom was like the main platform that you can do something on. And all of a sudden, you know, there's hundreds of different platforms to choose from. And now you have to figure out which platform works best for your client, um, what the content looks like. That's very important. I say, you know, 80% of a virtual event you can, or, or a live in-person event, can transfer over to a virtual event. You just have to know how to do it and how to work it. Um, but about 80% of it can transfer over to virtual. It's just, uh, it's just different. Yeah, well, you speak, I mean, obviously we like to use the word different over the last year, but <laughs> the audience, right? What, what, what's here to stay about virtual events because they're not going away, right? No, they're here. They are here to stay, I think, um, one thing that we'll see more of this year and beyond are the hybrid events, which is something we were talking about earlier. Um, you know, hybrid event is doing both virtually and live in person. 
So my first event I did last year was somewhat of a hybrid event where we used a studio. We had a host that was live on event day, uh, you know, transitioning us in and out of the different panel discussions that we were having, um, but we didn't have a live audience. So I think um, this year you'll see a lot more hybrid events where you will have people who are in person and people who are not quite ready to get out there and um, be in the mix like that. You'll see them uh, doing virtual as well. So you, you have to produce two different events and merge them together. So it's a lot, it, it's actually, it's a lot of work and long hours uh, to be able to pull off something like that. What's the biggest challenge that comes along with pulling off two events, merging them together? Obviously, it sounds like a daunting task right off the bat, but what is the biggest challenge associated with it? Um, is it just the fact that there's the technology component and you never know what happens with technology or that's why <laughs> that is one of them. The <laughs> other is keeping both audience engaged. How does the person who's hosting the event how do you keep your live audience engaged while also talking to your virtual audience? So I think that's probably one of the biggest challenges. Um, one of the pluses to the virtual event is that you can reach so many people. That's the great thing about it. It opens up your audience. Um, so you're able to deliver your content to a, a, a lot more people. And there's, to some extent, costs are much lower majority of the time too so you might be able to maybe make it more affordable for some people I, yeah, I I'm hesitant you, you, saying that because you know hey you got to make your money right that's true but you know what technology is expensive yeah. um a lot of virtual events I was telling you earlier you know I sat on a 12-hour virtual event the other day and and so the content producing that content a lot of the content for virtual events is pre-recorded. You would never know it, but you've got that recording studio time. Um, so it, the, there's a lot of people say uh, it, it's, it's, I wouldn't say cheaper, but it's less money because you don't have people in person. You don't have to put people up in hotels and airfare and feed them and all of that. But then on the back end, there there's some costs there that you, I think would surprise people. And, how, how do you how do you utilize the creativity though? You know, you mentioned content, right? That's the majority of what keeps people engaged. Mm -hmm. How do you continue that creativity though within the virtual, you know, lens? Um, you know what you you look at different vendors where that's engaging, where it, whether it's a DJ, um, whether it's a mixologist. Uh, you can have someone doing magic. You can have someone doing a scavenger hunt where it gets people up out of their seat and running around their homes for different things. So you just have to be really creative um, there and, and it keeps people engaged. That's what I found uh, doing a lot of the, you know, five, six hour conferences. Uh, you want to get people up and moving at some point in time during the virtual events. And, and kind of get that blood flowing. And you have to, I think another key is having a really good host. I think having a really good host is very important. The host, host certainly important. 
does it provide any ability for further access of players, right? Let's say you're hosting a special event um, and, you know, you might not be able to get such and such player to come out, but if you can grab them for 15 minutes on Zoom, mm -hmm. it might make the audience's day. Oh, absolutely. Everyone, you know, especially us sports, you know, fans, uh, anytime you can get a face-to-face -face conversation with someone, that's great. Uh, but if you can get players uh, on for 10 minutes, five minutes, and, you know, a lot of times it's a lot easier to do that for them. It works within their schedules. So, you know, they don't have to drive anywhere to be, be somewhere in person. So you, you have that opportunity. You have them captured for just a five or 10 minute um, speaking engagement virtually, and they can get in and, and get out. So... For someone who wants to get into the special events business, mm -hmm. where do they start? What, are the, what kind of skills do they need to have? What kind of experiences do they need to have? I mean, you, you mentioned you started in ticket sales. Mm -hmm. um, there's a sales component to this special events world too. Sure is. Absolutely. So I, I didn't realize when I started my career in ticket sales that it would really continue that, you know, although I got out of ticket sales, I just flipped it and it became selling the venue, um, selling sponsorships, you know, um, within certain little projects that I may have to do to, to raise money for whatever non-game day event that I was doing. So I was able to develop a lot of different skills. Uh, I, I would say internships is very important. Uh, for people who are interested in getting into the events business. Uh, there's a lot of great destination management companies out there uh, that you can do part-time work for. Um, and, uh, and also just, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in, in just really great mentors. I was very fortunate to have great mentors that really taught me a lot, not only about special events, but also um, about supplier diversity, which was another passion of mine, making sure that women and people of color were, were getting the good opportunities um, to partner with uh, companies to do business and get their foot in the door. Sabrina, as you think about what the rest of 2021 will look like going into 2022. Some events are going to be those hybrid events, as you mentioned, we talked yeah. about. What events are going to maybe not happen again? Um, what events will be the first ones to come back? And, you know, what will events continue to look like in the future? Oh, I, oh well, first, I think um, corporate events will come back. Um, once we can kind of get COVID under control, um, get everyone vaccinated, uh, I think the corporate will, they'll be ready to, to get their employees together, to do retreats, um, you know, to, to do just different types of meetings, offsites here and there, just to kind of get everyone kind of going again. Um, hybrid events are here to stay. Virtual events are absolutely here to stay. Um, and then I think the big events, you know, the big things for, for our industry, the, the concerts, the festivals, 
and, and that's what I think people will be really looking forward to, all of those outdoor type events. Um, people are ready. We're, we're, we're all so tired <laughs> of this COVID thing. I think we're just over it. And I think the end of 2021, uh, going into 2022 and 2023, we should hopefully be wide open and, and, and doing our things again. I know every, all my fellow uh, event producers are, we are chomping at the bit right now to, to get this thing opened up and, and get back to doing what we love to do. You mentioned the outdoor component. Are there some events that maybe were indoor before, but just because of the nature of COVID and having to maybe go outdoor that they'll stay outdoor and become kind of different types of events in a sense? Hmm. And you know what, I never really even thought about that. But I think, you know, you can take a lot of different indoor events and move them out outdoors, it, you know, whether it's... Um, depends on where you live. It does depend <laughs> on where you, where you live. Uh, right now, today in Atlanta, it's beautiful. So it, it, rarely do we get a, a 74 degrees in, in February. So we're we're uh, excited here this week, but um, you know, I, th I think you can do any kind of event outside. I, people will probably be doing a lot of retreats and just company meetings and just using, you know, instead of going inside to do them, take them outside just because we've been all cooped up for so long. Everyone's just really kind of chomping at the bit to do that. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what evolves, you know, whether it be a different type of festival that didn't exist before or, yeah. you know, I think there's stay always, tuned. there's always I've room got, for innovation. I've got a festival in mind. So stay there you tuned. Go. There you go. Stay <laughs> tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned for Sabrina's festival. There you go. Um, you know, as we, as we wrap up, I think the, the interesting thing about events is there's always nuances, right? There's always, you can never prepare for everything. You, you, you can be as prepared as possible, but there's always something that's going to happen. Um, yeah, yeah, like you, launching a company in two months of pandemic hits. <laughs> absolutely, exactly. So when you think about uh, all of your experiences, what's maybe the one that, you, that comes first to mind of like, wow, I didn't expect that to happen? Ooh. Um, a concert that I did and having to evacuate everyone from the field. That sounds fun. In the middle of the concert, didn't expect that to happen, but it did and um, it, everything worked out. The emergency plan worked perfectly and uh, got everyone off safely. So it was a uh, it was interesting, but it was, you know, it was one of those things I, I think about, what was it, two years ago at the tour championship here in Atlanta with the big lightning strike. Um, you know, you don't plan for things like that, but you have to pre-plan for things to happen. You don't know how, you don't know what that, that thing looks like, but you have to be ready for it at all time. And, and that's just the nature of the of the events business, especially um, outdoor events. What if is a is a phrase you're probably very familiar with. It is. <laughs> it is. It's you a great all those things. 
do you i mean is there a is there a what if list before every event like okay if this happens this is what we're doing not necessarily i mean you you have your standard um plans in place uh you have a have a book <laughs> uh, that, that you have but you know it's, it's like putting out fires yeah. and and i think that's another thing that i love about doing events um, and doing different types of events uh, it is you never know what you're going to get so every event is different big or small and you you see something that's on paper that you talk to your clients about and then to bring it to fruition is it's very satisfying satisfying so i really enjoy it yeah. Yeah, the creativity is certainly there. Um, Sabrina, really appreciate your thoughts, uh, perspectives on the events part of the industry. Really excited to see what Sabrina's festival is going to look like. And uh, <laughs> certainly look forward to hearing more. Um, you know, appreciate uh, you sharing your experiences and, and all of, um, you know, the abilities that events have, uh, obviously from a virtual perspective, but that hybrid event uh, that I'm sure we'll see going forward a lot more. Yeah, I love it. it. It brings people together. That's one thing I think doing events, it, it really does bring people together. Thank you, Jake, for having me. Thank Next Up, Next Up Partners. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office podcast powered by Brain Fuel. Remember, you can get 15% off your next purchase at brainfuel.com, B-R-E-I-N, fuel.com with the code LIFO15, L-I-F-O-1-5 at checkout. And a reminder to get your copy of LOL, Loss of Logo, What's Your Next Move? Our new book written by Andy Dolich and your host, Jake Hirschman. If you go to mascotbooks.com and enter the code LIFO, L-I-F-O, you'll receive 50% off at your checkout or available on Amazon, ebook, and print.